been feeling something on my heart, and we get in here, and several things that I'm going to read from the Scripture tonight are actually quoted in that song, and um, I think just a little more confirmation that God's got it all in control and knows what he's doing. I believe the Lord wants to talk to us tonight. Did anybody come to hear from God? We're not just here because it's Thursday night, I hope. I, I hope we're here because we want to hear from God. Amen. We, we apostolics can get into a routine as much as anybody else can. And uh, we can end up just showing up because it's church time. And not really coming with an attitude and a spirit of, God, I'm here because I want you to talk to me. Amen. God, help us. Help us to come to church with an expectancy and a hunger for the Lord to talk to us. I feel like he's been talking to me today. I feel like he's been talking to me today. Amen. As I've looked through this, I have preached from this passage of Scripture more times than I can count. And uh, I, I have said in many places that I have gone that, that um, this, uh, one of the verses in this passage is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I guess that ends up coming out in a preacher. When you've got a verse you really, really like, you just preach it a whole lot. And uh, can't help that. But I saw something in this verse, though I have preached it many, many times through the years. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I have preached from this passage of Scripture. Uh, ever since I felt like the Lord gave me a revelation uh, from this Scripture uh, during my first pastorate, way back in the Stone Ages, and uh, I began pastoring in 1984, and somewhere between 84 and 86, the Lord began to show me some things about this passage of Scripture, and, and ever since that time, ever since that time, I have preached this verse uh, many, many places that I've gone. In fact, I just preached it again when I was in Panama with Brother and Sister Melendez just a few months ago. But today, today, I saw something in this verse that I've never seen. And uh, I'm going to preach that to you tonight. I feel like the Lord talked to me about it, and I'm going to tell you what I feel like he said to me. Amen. Well, are your hearts open? Are you ready? Are you going to receive gladly the word of the Lord tonight? Amen. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to go to verse 16 and um, read down through the end of this chapter. Ephesians chapter 3. And beginning with verse number 16, praise God. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I just kind of got a feeling you're not feeling what I'm feeling. But I'm feeling something in this house tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Ephesians chapter 3. And starting with verse 16, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says that uh, he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory. Anybody want that to happen to them? Anybody hungry for God to grant you according to the riches of his glory? To be strengthened with might. By his spirit in the inner man. Well, hallelujah. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Oh, God. We, we don't comprehend that. We don't. We don't comprehend the breadth and length, the depth and height. But I want to. I want to see more. I want to know more. In verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, this is some exciting stuff here. And verse 20 is that verse that I've preached on time and time again over the last almost 30 years now. Now unto him that is able. You don't have to convince me. I know my God is able. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world, without end. Amen. Verse 20, now unto him that is able. Anybody believe God's able? How about the rest of you? Do you believe God's able? Is there any doubt in your mind that God is able? Is there any question about the ability of God, what God can do? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. according to the power that worketh in us. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. According to the power. And that's what I want to preach to you about for a little while tonight. According to the power. Hallelujah. Let's put our Bibles down and talk to the Lord together right now, can we, everybody? Let's reach out to the Lord. Let's ask him specifically, Jesus, speak to me tonight. Come on, everybody, let's talk to the Lord. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like we're going to have some church here tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Read it for us again, Brother Merriman. We're just going to start off here with this verse and read it again. 
can. I want to I drive it home to you tonight about just how powerful our God is. Amen. Read. Now unto him, unto him that is able. That is, that is, come on, I want everybody to say it. That is, God is able. To do He's able to do exceeding abundantly, abundantly above, above all that we all ask, that we ask or, think, or think according, according to, the power, to the power that, that worketh, worketh in us. us. Now, now I don't want to I don't want to get sidetracked. Just leave that verse there for a few moments, would you? I don't want to get too sidetracked tonight, uh, but but I I just can't. I don't care how many times I've preached it to this church. I just can't preach this verse without explaining it again. Well, hallelujah. Because we, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I preach it. There's always somebody sitting here that just never quite got the revelation of it. And it's so crucial that you get a revelation of it. It's crucial that you get a revelation of it. Amen. Amen. Now unto him that is able, able, able. Here is, here is what God showed me nearly 30 years ago about this verse of Scripture. And, 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 and you know me. You know I'm not, I'm not a brilliant man. I think in simplistic terms. And so I, I have to explain things very simply and, and to me, the best way to explain this so you get it is to start at the end and work our way back to the front. Just because of the way the English language works, it helps us to grasp it, I think, a little better to do it this way. Now, the Bible says God is able, and it says he is able to do. But what is he able to do? Well, if we go to the end before the comma here, he is able to do what we ask or think. Now, 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 now get this, church. Whatever you can ask God to do, if you can ask it, God can do it. If you can pray a prayer and say, Lord, would you do this? If you can ask it, God can do it. You cannot come up with a request that's too hard for God to fulfill. If you can ask it, God can do it. But that's not all because it said ask or think. See, there's sometimes that I know what I'm wanting to say, but I don't really know how to say it. Is there anybody else that's ever been in that situation? You, you got an idea in your mind, but you're not really sure how to put it into words. Well, the Apostle Paul let us know that even if you don't know exactly how to ask it, if you can get the idea in your mind, if you can think it, God can do it. Well, somebody help me here. I'm just trying to lay a little foundation. I'm going somewhere. and I know you've heard me deal with this before, but stay with me for a few moments, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something I haven't seen in all of this, but I want to take what's familiar to us first. And so, so if we can ask it or just think it, God's able to do it. And I wonder tonight while I'm preaching, if you can get a request in your mind of what you want God to do. Is there anybody? Anybody that right now you're thinking of something you sure would like for God to do? Can I tell you tonight God's able to do whatever it was you just thought of? Can I tell you God's not lacking in power? God's not lacking in strength? And whatever you just thought in your mind, I'm telling you the God we serve is able to do what you just asked him to do. He's able to do it. But It goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. Uh, stay with me. Stay with me here. It's what we, 
what we ask or think, but, but the Bible says that God can do above what we could ask or think. So we've got our limits on what we can put into words or what we can conceptualize in our minds, but God's not limited by that. And whatever it was you just thought about that you'd like for God to do, I'm here to tell you God is able to not only do what you just asked, but God is able to do above what you just asked. He can do greater than what you can think. Now, now, what would it be if God took the prayer you just thought in your mind and God went above that? What would that be? What would, what would he do if he went above what you asked him to do? Well, I'm here to tell you God's able to do above what you ask or think. But that's not all. That's not all. Because the Bible says that God can do abundantly above what you can ask or think. Are you with me tonight? Whatever you thought about in your mind, God can go above that. And God's not limited to just above that. But God is able to do abundantly above whatever you ask or think. Now, now, what would it be if God just took your prayer and went abundantly above what you asked him to do? But that's not all. Because the Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Come on, I'm preaching to you tonight, New Life. I'm telling you, God's not limited by what we can conceptualize. But God can do exceeding abundantly above whatever we can ask him to do. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to get a revelation tonight of just how powerful your God is. I want you to see it in your mind. God reaching down and responding to your request and going exceeding abundantly above what you have asked him to do. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm not going to take the time to tell the whole story. You can find it somewhere on a tape, I'm sure. And I, I, I know I'd get bogged down if I start telling it, but, but you know, when I preached it that first time almost 30 years ago, God made it very real to us. In, 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 uh, as I preached it because uh, we're living in a 12 by 52 mobile home that was in deplorable condition. Literally, literally, the, the sides were falling. Uh, it, it, the floor was in a V. It was hanging on either side. There was no heat in that trailer. It was in bad shape. It was in terrible shape. And that's what we were living in, my first pastorate. And, uh, and, and, and my wife told me, we got in the car after service, and she told me uh, as, as we were driving to go get something to eat, she said, I just want to tell you what I prayed tonight as you preached about all of that. She said, she said you, you said God was able to do whatever we ask or think. She said, so here's what I asked God to do. She said, I told God, you know what we're living in is in bad shape. And, and you know my babies, you know, we, we had two young children at the time and, and no heat. And, and uh, it, it, we literally saw ice inside the doors and windows. It got so cold. I mean, sheets of ice, thick ice inside the doors and windows. It got so cold. The only heat we had was to turn on the gas stove, and that's 
a dangerous thing to do, but that's the way we were living. And she said, I just told God, Lord, we need a better place. We need a better trailer than this. You can do something better for us. And I said, honey, God can do that. And she said, and then you said that God could do above that. And, and, and she said, I told God, Lord, just make it a brand new one. I, I, we're just going to believe you for a brand new one. She said, and then, and then you said that God could do abundantly above. And I I, I told the Lord, said, God, make it a double wide. I, I want lots of room. And, and she said, then you said God was able to do exceeding abundantly above. And she said, I told God, forget this trailer stuff. Just give me a house. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that within two weeks, God started the ball rolling. And I'm here to tell you that within a matter of about a couple of months, uh, God moved us out of that dilapidated trailer and into a house. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a long story, but God. God did it because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what you ask or think. But that's not really the focus of my message tonight. That's, that's just my introductory remarks because the message really isn't going to mean a whole lot if you don't grasp God's ability. If, if you don't grasp what God is able to do. And I'm telling you, God's no respecter of persons. Do you want to know why God moved us out of that trailer into a house? It's because my precious wife had faith, that's why. I didn't have it. I argued with her about it. I didn't have faith. I didn't, I just, I knew, I, I was, you see, I preached it, but I found out when it came to putting it into practice, I didn't have quite as much faith as I was preaching about. But thank God she did. And God honored that faith, and God did it. And I'm telling you, God's no respecter of persons. And I'm telling you, whatever it is that you're needing from God, God is able. God is able. Come on, somebody. God is able. No, 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 that deserves more than just a Baptist nod. If you really believe God is able, you ought to act like you believe God is able. He's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above whatever you ask him to do. He's able, he's able, he's able, he's able. Oh, hallelujah. He's able, he's able, he's able. But in spite of the fact that God has this unlimited ability, when I look at this verse of Scripture, I see that there is a factor that determines not what God can do, but what God will do. Read it again, Brother Marin. Now unto him, unto him that is able that's to able, do exceeding abundantly above. Exceeding abundantly above all that we all ask that we ask or think. Now look. According. Everyone say according. Everyone say according. according. Everyone say according. According. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According. To the power that worketh, to the power that worketh in us. The, 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 the Bible in basic English says it this way. Uh, now to him who is able to do in full measure more than all our desires or thoughts through the power which is working in us. Amen. It appears to me that how much God does is dependent on how much we let him do through us. Well, where's my shouters now? I'm telling you, there's no problem with God's ability. God is able to do anything. God is able to do anything. But what God will do is dependent on what you will let him do. Now, this is Thursday night. This is Bible study, so... I can do a little preaching and teaching combined, can I? If, if, if you don't think that man can limit God, you, you don't know the Scriptures very well. 
If the Bible's very clear, the Bible's very clear about the limits that God allows us to put on him. Read Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58. And he did not many mighty work there because of their unbelief. That is, in Nazareth, in Nazareth, he did not many mighty works. I'm telling you, I, I, one time I went and did a study and I saw, you know, just two miles away, five miles away, ten miles away. I did this study and all around the city of Nazareth, he did miracle after miracle after miracle. I'm telling you, some phenomenal things happened all around the perimeter of Nazareth. But in the city of Nazareth, he was limited, not what he could do, but what he would do. The Bible does not say that he could not do many mighty works, but that he did not. The people of Nazareth limited him. They're the ones who suffered for it. They put the limits on God, and so all they got was it the boundaries of their limits? Well, hallelujah. Stay with me. Psalm 78, verses 40 and 41. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness uh -huh. and grieve him in the desert? Right. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the and Holy what? One of Israel. And what? And what? People limited God. I'm telling you, there were a lot of things that happened in the wilderness. They saw a whole lot of miracles. Water coming out of rocks, manna appearing every day. They saw all kinds of miracles. But do you know the Bible says they really didn't see everything God would have liked to have done? They put limits on God. They never saw everything. Can you imagine what they might have seen in their wanderings in the wilderness if God had not been limited by them? Well, I'm preaching to us tonight, New Life. I want us to understand that God is ready, amen, for his power to be unlimited in this city. God is ready for us to see his power unleashed in this church. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. God is ready for us to take the boundaries off of what he is able to do. God is ready to show us his glory like he's never shown it before. Come on, somebody. But we got to take the limits off of God. We got to get the limits off of God. We got to let him be an unlimited God. Hallelujah. We got to take off the boundaries. Amen. Take him out of the little box that we've put him in. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I've heard phenomenal stories of things God's done. And I've seen phenomenal miracles in my lifetime. Amen. I've seen God do great things all the way to the raising of the dead. I've seen God do it. Amen. But I'm telling you, we haven't scratched the surface of the height and breadth and length and depth of the power of God. But God wants to show it to us. God wants us to see it. God Oh, I wish somebody would believe what I'm preaching tonight. God wants us to go beyond what we've seen all of our life and start seeing something greater. Come on, new life. It is time for us to get to a place where God is truly unlimited in this house. Oh, amen. We got to take the limits off of God. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, but it's according to the power that's working in us. 
there's the limit. Whatever God is allowed to do is dependent on how well the power in us is working. Do you see that? Do you understand that? Am I out of the book tonight? Am I showing you? This is what the Bible says. It's according to the power that is working in us. How well the power works in us is what determines where the limits are on God. If we can get to a place where that power is working in us the way it's supposed to work in us, then there are no limits as to what God can do. There are no limits as to what God will do if the power will just work in us the way it's supposed to. All right? Now, I, uh, I'm about to take this in a direction you, I am 100% certain that you are not expecting. I'm 100% certain that what I'm about to tell you is not what you're expecting me to say. Because, see, you're expecting me to start preaching faith. you got to quit doubting God. you got to quit doubting God. And that's not where I'm going tonight. So there. This is what God showed me. According to the, according to the power that's working in you. However well the power works in you determines how vast God is going to work. Now, how does the power work in us? Well, it really, it ought to just come to mind because we've quoted this scripture over and over and over, but we've never really put it with Ephesians 3 and 20. So, All right, now look, you guys are hollering right and amen. You don't even know where I'm going. So what are you, what are you amening? You don't even know where I'm going. Hang on till you know what I'm saying before you amen me. Praise God. I want amens, but I want you to amen what you believe. All right. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's according to the power that's working in us. That's what determines where God's limits are. Is everybody with me? So how does the power work in us? Read Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But, ye shall but you power. shall receive what? Power. What? Power. You shall receive power. After that, After that the Holy, the Holy Ghost, Ghost come is come upon you. And you shall and be See, I told you you weren't expecting this, but this is what I'm telling you God talked to me about today. This is what the power ought to be doing in us. The power in us ought to be making us witnesses. The power in us ought to have us out on the street. The power in us ought to have us telling somebody about what God has done in our life. That's what the power ought to be doing in us. You shall be witnesses when the power comes. I'm telling you, this is how we limit God. We're not out there witnessing. We're not out there telling people. And so God's in this little box. But honey, the moment we get a revelation and we get out there and we start doing what the power was put in us to do, God's limits are coming off. According to the power that's working in you, how well are you letting the power work? You want to see God do exceeding abundantly above in this church? You really want to see the height, the depth, and length, and breadth of his glory in this church? Well, you got to let that power work in you.
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Be seated. Now, now let me show you something. Let me show you something here. Never saw this before. That's what I love about the Bible. I've been reading it for all these years. And every time I go back and read some story that I've read over and over, I see something new. Let me show you something here. We're going to go over to Mark chapter 5. Another familiar story. Mark chapter 5. And uh, the story of the demoniac of Gadara. Amen. Mark chapter 5. And start reading with verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Yeah, that's kind of putting it mildly. Who had, a, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and uh -huh. no man could bind him. Nobody, no, nobody could chains. bind him, not with chains. Because Read. That, because that he had oft, been often bound they, with they tried. And chains. They'd tried many times. And the chains had been plucked but asunder by him. Every time they did, he just broke those chains. And the fetters broken in pieces. Fetters were broken in pieces. Neither could any man and tame No him. man, no man was able to tame him. And always, night and day, he was night in the day, mountains. Night and day. And the tombs he's crying and cutting Night and day, he's stones. in the mountains. I can handle that. But you know a man's messed up if he's spending the night in the graveyard. I'm not scared. Then none of those people in the graveyard are going to affect me. They're not going to talk back. That's right. They're not coming up out of there. Not unless they got the Holy Ghost and the trumpet sounds. Otherwise, they're going to stay right there where they've been put. But I still don't like it. It's just something about it, you know. It's just kind of a creepy atmosphere. Well, if you like it, you're probably creepy too. So you can go home tonight with a new one and say, the pastor called me a creep. Hallelujah. Well, look, night and day, night and day, in the mountains and tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. Read. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? Yeah. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Okay, okay, okay. I, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was having you skip on down. I thought, thought there was some more there in that portion. I'm not ready for verse 7 yet. We'll come back and get verse 7. That's all right. That's all right. You didn't know. Amen. I'll forgive you this time. Praise God. Amen. Next time, read my mind. Amen. All right. All right. Now, look. Look, look. This man, this man is crying. Cutting himself with stones. He's dwelling among the tombs. I would dare say he was probably not on the list of favored candidates to become a member of your church. I mean, the crazy guy, right? The guy that's running around naked in the graveyard cutting himself, screaming, crying all night long. Oh, yeah, I'd like for you to be a member of my Sunday school. Probably not going to be on your list of priorities as to who you want to invite to church. And, and the fact of the matter is that if we're going to take him at his words, it sounds as if to me he didn't want to be a part of their church. Because listen to what he says. Now we'll read verse 7. And cried with a loud voice. Cried with a loud voice. And said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God. Thou son of the most high God. I adjure thee by God. I adjure thee by God. That thou torment me not. Leave me alone. Well, you ever heard that when you was out door knocking? They didn't say it quite that nice, but they used some of the same words. God was probably in there. And they probably said, leave me alone. I've had doors slammed in my face. Well, if you haven't, then you probably haven't done much door knocking. That's right. You need to do a little more. You need at least one face slam in your life. You need that. It's good experience. It'll make you tough. Hallelujah. You need that. You need that. Go out there and knock doors till somebody slams the door in your face and you can come home with a trophy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 
if we're going to take this man at his word, it sounds to me like he doesn't want to join the church. That's what he's saying with his lips. But you can't always base what's going on in a person's heart by what they're saying with their lips. I mean, haven't we had people tell us nice things only to find out later they couldn't stand us? You can't always trust what's in somebody's heart by what they say with their mouth. Now, somewhere along the line, their mouth will speak the truth because Jesus said it would. But it is possible for them to disguise the feelings of their heart by the things that they say. And here's a man who based on what he says, doesn't want to come to church. But Jesus saw beyond that. And Jesus brought him deliverance that day. We know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Right? Right? You didn't bail out on me already, did you? It's not 9 o'clock yet, is it? Hadn't reached magic hour yet, so still got a little bit of time, praise God. All right, now, now look. He's saying... With his mouth, I'm not interested. But Jesus saw something deep inside of him that went beyond what his words were saying. I would to God we'd get that kind of vision when we're out talking to people. Well, hallelujah. I can't help but think tonight of Sister Susie Shaw that's gone on to her reward. That was one of those door slam trophies that I have. First time I knocked on her door, and she's just barely poked her face out between the crack of the door and, 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 and I told her who I was and what I wanted and she said I'm not interested slam that's what she said but time proved otherwise Amen. And it wasn't long before she was sitting on a pew. And it wasn't long before she was in the altar. And it wasn't long before she was talking in tongues well hallelujah went to her grave full of the Holy Ghost Thank God we didn't give up just because she slammed the door in my face. Hallelujah. Jesus saw beyond his words, and Jesus had compassion on him, and in a moment transformed his life. Verse 8. For he said unto him. He said to the man. Come out of the man. Come out. Unclean you unclean spirit. And then what happened? Hey Amen. You know the story. The demons left him, went into the swine. The swine ran into uh, the, 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 the water and, and drowned themselves. And, and then we read in verse 15 about the drastic change that took place. Read. And they come to Jesus. And they come to Jesus. And, see him and they see him that was devil, possessed with the devil. And had the legion. And had the legion sitting. Sitting. Clothed and in his right Now mind. he hadn't been sitting in a long time. He hadn't been clothed in a long time. He hasn't been in his right mind in a long time. But he is now. He is now. Jesus has changed him. Jesus has delivered him. Jesus has transformed him. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Now, that's quite a miracle. I mean, the men of that region, the Bible says they tried repeatedly to bind him and could never do it. They tried repeatedly to calm him down and could never do it. And now somebody comes along and with a few words, he's okay. You'd think this would start a revival. Wouldn't you? I mean, you know, you got a crazy man running through the streets of the city, and all of a sudden, he's transformed. Don't you think that started a revival? Well, that's what you'd think. You'd think the miracle itself would bring revival, but it didn't. Read verses 16 and 17. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart. That is, they began to ask Jesus to leave their country. They didn't all come running to God because they saw a miracle. They saw a miracle and said, get out of here. We don't like this stuff. It was not a revival. It was the exact opposite. Now, now stay with me for a few minutes. I'm going somewhere. 
And now this man's converted. And the people of the city are trying to run Jesus off. And Jesus said, well, you don't want me? I'll leave. That's kind of the way it is. And I think he does that in some church services. Well, I think sometimes he shows up and the people of God are texting and chewing gum and passing notes and doing all kinds of other things and worried about the bills and worried about what time it is. And, you know, and Jesus looks around and says, well, you don't want me? Okay, see you later. He doesn't stay where he's not wanted. So Jesus said, I'm leaving. And here's what the man does. Let's read verses 18 and 19. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. I, I want to go with you, Lord. I, I just, I want to stay with you, Lord. I, 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 I want to follow you, Jesus. Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. The man gets converted. And here's his idea of what I should do next. What I want to do is I want to go to church. I want to pay my tithes. I want to dress the standard. I want to be a good, happy Christian. That's what I want to do. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Now just let me sit here and, and, and pass the time being a good church member. Well, that's what he's saying. That's what he said. I just want you know, just let me ride on the boat with you, Jesus. I just want to go where you go. And, I, you know, I'm not, I don't, I just, just let me be a good Christian. That's all I want. Hello? Jesus had other plans. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Howbeit Jesus did not permit him to just sit on a pew and go through the motions. Read, but, but Jesus said to him, "Go home." To I'll tell you what you need to do. You go find your friends, and, and you go tell them how great things the Lord has done and for you and has had compassion on you. I'll tell you what you need to do. Get out of the pew. Go find somebody that knows what you used to be and tell them what God did for you. You get busy sharing your testimony. Now, let me ask you something. This man's been spending years in the tombs, running naked, cutting himself. Years. And the Lord delivers him. Now, do you think he's ready to walk in with a chart and a Thompson chain and say, let me teach you a 12-week Bible study. We're going to go through the tabernacle plan, and I'm going to explain to you. Do you think that's what, do you think he's qualified to do that at this point in his life? I'm not knocking that. But I'm asking you a question. This man has spent years being devil-possessed, screaming, crying, cutting himself. Do you think he's ready to teach a Bible study? But Jesus didn't say, now you go through some training classes. And in a year and a half, we'll have you out on the street. Jesus said, right now, you go out there. I'm not asking you to teach the scriptures. I'm not asking you to, to, to start up a debate. Here's what I want you to do. You just go tell your friends what God did for you and how God had mercy on you. Now, he's qualified to do that. He's qualified to tell, I once was bound by the devil, but I'm free. He's qualified. To give his testimony. And let me show you what happens. The next verse, verse 20. And he departed. So he departed. And began to publish. And he began to publish. He began to spread. Decapolis is really a compound Greek word, deca. Anybody recognize that word? It's, it's a Greek word. It means ten. Polis is, you heard of metropolis? Polis is the Greek word for city. Decapolis, Decapolis, ten cities. That's what, Decapolis was not one city. Decapolis was a metro area of ten cities close by one another. And he began to go throughout the ten cities doing what? Telling, began to publish in Decapolis uh -huh. how great things how Jesus, great had, things done for Jesus him. had done. And look, the 
people who said, Jesus, get out of here, when they saw a miracle, what happens when they hear his testimony? And all men did And all men did marvel. They're not saying get out of here anymore. They're not saying leave our coasts anymore because this man has a testimony. And I'm telling you the power of a testimony is greater than the power of a miracle. Oh, somebody hear this preacher tonight. I'm telling you, you want to see miracles greater, get out there and start giving your testimony. All right, all right, I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done because I can tell you're nearly done. So I'm nearly done. I'm telling you, it is time that we pull the devil's kingdom down. The devil has reigned too long in Olathe, Kansas. The devil has reigned too long in the Kansas City metro area. It's time for Satan's kingdom to come down. And you know the Bible tells us how the devil's kingdom comes down? You do know that? Come on, tell us. Or you're just trusting me that I know it? Preach it. Well, hallelujah. Yeah, that's better. Just say preach it. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you say, oh, yes, 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 that means you know that you, you, yeah, you don't know. I'm getting ready to teach you, though. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. You know how I know you don't know? Because I've been your pastor for 17 years, and I had never seen this until now. So that's how I know you don't know. Praise God. All right, all right. Now, now here, I'm just having too much fun tonight. I know I'm having too much. It must be my anniversary or something. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, all right. Now, now listen. The Bible tells us how the devil's kingdom comes down. And I want you to hear what it says. All right, we're in the book of Revelation now. The book of Revelation, one of the rare times in 17 years that I've been in the book of Revelation, but I'm there tonight. And you better enjoy it while I'm there because it's probably going to be another rare time before I get back into the book of Revelation. All right, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice, I heard a loud saying, voice in heaven, saying in heaven, Now is come now salvation. Now is come salvation and strength, and strength and the kingdom of, and our the God. Kingdom of God and the power. And the power. Isn't that what we're wanting to happen around here? Yeah. Come on, I haven't quit yet. I haven't given the altar call yet. Isn't that what we're praying for around here? God, we want salvation and strength. We want the kingdom of God to go forward. We want the power of Christ to be displayed. And he said, now it's come. It's come. Salvation's come. Strength has come. Kingdom of God's come. Power of Christ has come. For the accuser of our because brethren is cast down. Because the accuser down, of the brethren is cast down. To accuse them before our God day and night. All right, now he said, here's why salvation and power and strength and God's kingdom is spreading like wildfire. Here's why. Because the devil's kingdoms come down. You see that? Accuser of the brethren is cast down. Somebody pulled the devil's kingdom down. Now you're scared to say Amen. I'm through messing with you. You can say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm showing you this on the, so you can, you can say amen to this. All right? You're not having to guess. Salvation and strength and, key, and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ, all of that came in because the devil was cast down. Yes. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Right? Uh-huh. So, kingdom came down. Uh-huh. And revival broke out because the devil's kingdom came down. Well, how did they tear the devil's kingdom down? How did they bring about revival? What did they do? Read the next verse. And they overcame him. They the overcame the him. They overcame the devil by... The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's how they brought it down. That's how they brought it down. They're coming to church pleading the blood, and then they're leaving church, and they're telling everybody they can find. They're spreading this. They're 
they're sharing this. They're inviting folks. Oh, I know you'd rather I preached on faith tonight, but I'm telling you how we're going to tear the devil's kingdom down in this city, in this church. We got to get out there and start sharing the word of our testimony. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there is unlimited power that will be released when you take the boundaries off of God by sharing your testimony. You may be, you may be, just remain standing. You may be like the demoniac. You may have a terrible history. Don't focus on the bad things. I've seen people do that. I've seen, I've seen people try to build ministries. I'm talking about, and I'm not making this up. I'm trying to talk about drinking cat's blood and getting involved in cults and all that. And that's what they want to go around and build a big ministry on, all that nonsense. I'm not interested in spending my time. Jesus didn't say, go tell everybody how you've been living among the tombs naked. He said, you go tell them what God did for you and how God had compassion on you. That's what we got to focus on. Not the bad things we used to do, but the good thing that God did. And that's what people have got to know. I've already told you the demoniac wasn't ready to teach a Bible study, but he didn't have to. In fact, I've pointed out to you before, the blind man in John chapter 9, we won't take the time to read it, but the blind man in John chapter 9, they, they called him in, and they said, Jesus is a sinner. And the Bible tells us they said that because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. So they got their scriptures, and they're trying to prove by the scriptures that Jesus is a sinner. So let's argue the scriptures here. Let's debate the scriptures. Let's just let's, let's argue about whether this is, a, uh, uh, this is working on the Sabbath when you heal. Let's argue about the Scriptures. Let's have a big debate. You know, and I know you're standing. Come play. If somebody will play, it will remind me that you're out there standing, all right? Now, look. Just recently, when I got back from Zimbabwe, and I started telling folks what we saw happen there, and all of these Trinitarians that have accepted the truth, I had a man send me an email. And he said, I don't understand it. I've spent my life debating Trinitarians. And I hadn't seen anything like that. And you go over there in one little trip, and you've converted a whole bunch of them. Well, I want to tell you what the difference is. I didn't go over there and debate them. I'm not there to argue. Well, I'm not going to do any good arguing with them. I'm going to get up and teach the Scripture. And if they've got a receptive heart, they're going to receive what the Word of God says. Well, hallelujah. So, so they're arguing with a blind man who was blind. They're not convinced by the miracle. Do you see what I'm telling you? The miracles don't bring revival. Revival brings miracles. Brother Merriman, if we'll just focus on having revival, if we'll just focus on praying people through to the Holy Ghost, we'll see miracles. God will confirm his word with signs following. We got our eyes on the wrong things. We got to get our eyes on winning souls. So they got it all laid out. Here's the scriptures. Here's all the reasons why he's violating the Sabbath day. He's going against everything that the scriptures teach. So what's your response? So here's what the blind man says to him in his response. John chapter 9, verse 25. He answered and said, whether he be a sin or no, I know not. I'm not going to argue with you one, about the Scripture. One thing There's I just know, one thing I do know. That whereas I was blind. I used to be blind. Now I see. And now I see. <laughs> Deal with that. Give me all the Scripture you want to give me. I'm just telling you what happened in my life. I was born blind, but I can see you now. here to argue the scripture with anybody. I just want to tell you, I used to be a sinner, but God had mercy on me. God filled me with the Holy Ghost.
Ghost. Oh, the Holy Ghost is not for us today. Well, it was sure for me. He sure gave it to me. And I've had it for over 40 years now. Woo, hallelujah. I'm telling you, church, this is the answer. This is what God wants us to hear. It's according to the power that's working in us. So, so you may be like the demoniac and you may say, I don't know enough scripture to you. You don't have to. You don't have to. You, now, you need to start learning the scripture. I'm not excusing ignorance. I, I'm just saying right now that, that you don't need to put off doing what God's calling you to do. You need to just get out there and give your testimony. And let me just say this, too. And I know we've said, we've made a little comments before to the young people. So you're raised in church, you know, you got a testimony, you've Stay in but, but listen, something hit me about this today that I think is just a little bit of, of a tweak on this that maybe you hadn't thought about. Do you know? I know you do know, but, 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 but have you thought about this? You can look around you, young people that have been raised here in the church, and you can see spots where other young people that were raised in the church used to sit, and they're not living for God today. But you are. You've got a testimony. You, look, you're not in church just because you were raised in church. You're in church because God had mercy on you. And you found an altar somewhere in the tough times, in the confusing times, in the difficult times. You got hold of God again, and God put it down inside your heart. You're living for God, not because you were born here, but because you love him, and God's been great to you. And you've got a testimony. Well, are you ready, New Life, to see God do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think I am? I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to watch God do those things. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to unleash the power of God, how we are going to loose the power of God, how we are going to take the limits off the power of God. It's going to be by using the word of our testimony. I close with 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. Wherefore, I put Wherefore, thee in remembrance that I'll thou stir up the gift of God. Here's what you need to do. Which is in Here's the, what you need to do. Stir up that gift. Now, what gift is in you? The gift of the Holy Ghost. You need to stir that up. Stir up that gift that's in you, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us And I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot. Wait, wait, hang on. There's a whole lot of folks. There's a whole lot of folks sitting on these pews tonight that you've got the Holy Ghost while I had my hands on your head. you got a gift in you that you need to stir up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stir up that gift. What's it there for? It's not there to make us run the aisles. That's just, that's just one of the perks. But that's not the purpose. You got to know the difference between the perks and the purpose. See, there's a lot of folks take a job for the perks. And they lose sight of the purpose of why they're there. And if the perks get cut off, then they, they leave the job. They don't understand the purpose. They didn't hire you to give you perks. They hired you to get some work done. They just gave you a few perks along the way for doing that work. So running the aisles is one of the perks. Getting a healing once in a while is one of the perks. Talking in tongues once in a while, that's, 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 that's part of the perks. But the purpose, you shall be witnesses. So he said, stir up that gift. In other words, get focused again on the purpose of why that gift is in you in the first place. 
And then just in case you need a reminder, verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to tell somebody. I'm afraid to witness. I'm afraid to... Hey, God didn't give you the spirit of fear. But what did he give you? But of power. But of what? Come on, somebody. What have I been preaching to you about all night long? This is the power according to the power. God didn't give you fear. That's not from God. What God gave you was power. Power to get out there and win this city. Get out there and win your friends and your family. Oh, I wish somebody would get excited tonight. I'm ready to see God do exceeding abundantly above what I ask a thing. I'm ready to see God do it, and I'll tell you how I'm going to bring it about. I believe every church service, amen, we're going to have somebody get the Holy Ghost, and God's going to confirm his word with signs and miracles. See, see, I, I was raised in a church where we saw all kinds of miracles happen. My pastor was a man of faith, great faith, great faith, great faith. But I tell you, somehow I just never quite made the connection with the Merriman. The miracles that came, the miracles that came were just part of the perks. But the reason the church was so great is because nearly every service, somebody's getting the Holy Ghost. Now, they don't just get the Holy Ghost, but somebody had to invite them to church. Somebody had to be out there talking about what God had done in their life. Oh, somebody get a revelation tonight, would you? Don't you want to see God do those great things? Well, let the power work in you. Walk out of this place with a new determination. Grab you some church cards. We just got how many in? 5,000? 5,000 church cards in. We got enough to last. We got enough to last a while. Grab you some. Don't walk out the door without some church cards tonight. If you stop to get gas tonight, give somebody a church card. You go to a restaurant tonight, give somebody a church card. Go on the job tomorrow. Give somebody a church card. I'm telling you, we ought to get this in our mind. This is what God saved me to do. This is what God called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And when I start doing it, the power of God is going to start working like I've never seen it before. Oh, come on. Let's love him together. Let's love him together.